When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Final hour of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow starts right now, live from our downtown Nashville 6th and Peabody studios with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton is here. We got a loaded final hour for you. Trey Wallace of Outkick.com, senior SEC writer, will join us live from SEC Media Days coming up in about five minutes. And speaking of college football, names to know, Gary Danielson, longtime broadcaster with CBS Longtime broadcaster of the SEC CBS Game of the Week. That's about to become the Big Ten Game of the Week on CBS. Will join us about 20 minutes from now. Are they keeping the theme? The I think that they are going to. That is proprietary, and they and are. It going was to on keep the it. preview of what's Rem- to come for CBS with the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I I don't remember if it was CBS that put that promo together or it was someone else that just was, used the music. No, that was CBS. It. That well. I believe it's CBS because it had the CBS promo saying the Big Ten will have the best game. Yeah, the dun dun yeah. dun 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 dun. It's, that will uh, stay. That's gonna feel that weird, will be Big man. Ten. It's gonna be very weird. Do you think? Do you we'll think? Talk, well, I'll talk to Gary Danielson about just that. Do you think those guys, Nestler Danielson, feel like you know, uh, something like uh, you're about to retire, you're joining a new team, and it's kind of the farewell tour, and it's weird in a way. I think for those guys that have just done so much in their careers also, it probably feels less like that and more just like, oh, now we get to go see some different places and different games, right? It's not because they're staying with CBS. Right. You know, it's just more of a, oh, now we get a different selection of games to go to. I don't think it's, I think it feels less like. You know what, though? I bet it feels a lot like Texas and Oklahoma or USC and UCLA where you've got a year before you begin you know, the, the new beginning, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of, I mean, it, it's not awkward for the broadcast team by any means, but, I mean, you are trying to say you, you have, you're, you're covering the best conference, and you're about to say it again next year. Right. For the yeah, other it's, conference. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you fly the flag that pays you, and uh, they'll be flying that Big Ten flag now. They'll have CBS. some great games there, too. Yeah, they will. So, we'll talk to Gary Danielson about that and much more coming up a little bit later. Big news in the NFL yesterday was a running back uprising. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard all received the franchise tender. Only one of them signed it yesterday. That's Tony Pollard with the Cowboys. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, they decide they're going to hold out and they're going to try to negotiate a long-term contract, but it does not look good. And then Matt Miller posted something that got the running back world fired up about what it looks like now for NFL teams. And he's telling the truth. Yeah. Draft a running back. Draft a running back. Two, play the running back. If he's good, three, franchise tag the running back one time and then draft a running back. But but also, like, you have the fifth-year option with a first-round pick, right? Yep. And if you're not, then you face the tag, but you're getting done a year earlier rather than a year uh, later for the first-round picks who have to go through the fifth-year option, Uh, which is good money. 
but it's also if you're a first round, there's a you're expected to be great. Saquon Barkley has been great. He's also been really hurt, and that's why you sign the franchise tender for your team currently right now and don't sit out the way Le'Veon Bell did. It feels like Derrick Henry is the leader of the running back group in the NFL. He was the first to retweet Matt Miller. Yeah, and, and, and then respond. a lot of other guys and he normally responded doesn't tweet. and chimed in. Yeah, does not tweet a lot. But Hutton, a lot of them are, are concerned about, and rightfully so, about the place of the running back in the modern NFL. And that place is replaceable. replaceable. Yeah. yeah, and and, and that's, that's where we are now. That, that both sides can be right. I mean, there you can't go just randomly handpick the next Saquon Barkley, right? It's tough to replace Derrick Henry. But you also have to have a franchise with that mentality that you are going to commit to the run when you pay that type of money to that player. Christian McCaffrey is a do-it-all player. Uh, Austin Eckler is certainly that, too, out of the backfield. 100 catches for the Chargers. He scores a ton of touchdowns. He's just playing a position, listed at a position, where it's much more affordable to just either tag or pick up an option than it is extend the player currently with the Chargers. He's also been vocal about it. Well, speaking of replaceable, Le'Veon Bell had some issues in Pittsburgh. Hutton, yeah. and he's now spoken out about that. So last year, he doubled back and said he wouldn't change his decision to sit out the 2018 season. Ultimately, he sits out but comes back with the Jets uh, and was nowhere close to what he was in Pittsburgh. But by staying in Pittsburgh throughout the duration of, a, of the entire career, and think about the talent they had versus what they lost due to just malcontents. Uh, Antonio Brown and then Le'Veon Bell wanted to get paid, tried to play his card, and they've moved on as a franchise. But if you play your entire career there, you are a part of the brand. You're embraced by the fans. You're brought back for speaking engagements as, as part of the, 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 the Pittsburgh franchise. And Le'Veon Bell on his social media had this to say to Steelers Nation. I never apologize to the fans for really sitting out or leaving the Steelers. I never apologize. So I'm going to say I apologize for leaving, leaving the best damn fans there is in this damn world. I shouldn't have left. I apologize. I should never have left. I apologize. That's my fault. That's on me. I like it. In hindsight, I think that's pretty easy to, to say. and uh, Or not and easy to say. It's easy to know. It's oftentimes not easy to say and admit a mistake. But that's what he did. And that's what Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley are threatening to do. Yep. And that just makes no sense whatsoever. Trey Wallace makes a lot of sense. Uh, senior SEC writer for Outkick.com. He is at our broadcast spot in a very stormy Nashville, Tennessee, as the storm rages on behind him. Trey Wallace is covering SEC media days for Outkick over at the Grand Hyatt Hotel. On with us right now. Trey, how you doing, my friend? I'm good, guys. It's uh, all of a sudden, you know, living on the Gulf Coast, I'm used to bad weather and hurricanes, and it looks like it just popped up right behind me here in Nashville. So it is what it is. We're rolling along here, though, at uh, Media Days. We've, uh, we've covered the, the Kirby Smart uh, presser, which I know Chad will hit on in a moment because he was also in on that. Hugh Freeze also made the rounds and spoke to the media today in a position out at Auburn that he did not think he would be in whenever he was, everything went down at Ole Miss, right? He, he acknowledged that. He never thought he would get back to the SEC. You know, and, and we go back to that time, guys. We, we remember that. We remember when, when Hugh Freeze was, was caught up. And, and, look, he didn't get fired because 
the NCAA investigation. He got fired because off the field, yeah. you know, calling phone numbers that he probably shouldn't have in Florida. So, look, it, it, him getting back into the SEC, and, and this is his spot, okay? This is where Hugh Freeze belongs. He wouldn't fit at a USC, UCLA, Oregon, something like that on the West Coast, even something on the East Coast, really. And I know where Liberty is, so let's not get in, into that. But I'm saying overall, the SEC is home. And, and he didn't feel optimistic that he'd be able to get back in. As, and we're not just talking about as a head coach. We're talking about as an assistant coach, an offensive coordinator, uh, a passing game coach, you name it. So, you know, you, you leave that situation in Oxford, and two years later uh, he gets a lifeline uh, from Ian McGraw at, at Liberty and gets that job. And, you know, he, he said today that once they started having some success against Arkansas, Baylor, Syracuse, a couple others, and he he started to feel that he might be able to get back into the conference. Now, you know, we didn't know what that was at the time. You guys remember this. You know, there are multiple teams in the SEC that tried to hire Hugh Freeze three years ago to be an offensive coordinator. Uh, Greg Sankey wasn't having it. But to hear Hugh Freeze say that he appreciates Greg Sankey being along for the ride and being somebody they can go to for, for information or, you know, just to chat with and how much he appreciates that friendship, I think that tells you how far we have come in the last three years when it comes to Hugh Freeze. Because, guys, you, it was so bad. And he got the liberty and he did good. You know, there were some wins there. But for him to turn around, and let's not forget this, for him to go from Ole Miss and then stay, I know it's the last year, but stay in the SEC West and get a job like Auburn, that doesn't happen a lot, guys, especially for the stuff he was involved in with the, with the investigation uh, into paying players and whatnot. We all remember how that went down, uh, even with Larry McTunzel, and then the off-field stuff. So what I'm getting at is that the fact that, that he is here today and was here today as Auburn's head coach I think it speaks volumes as to what people think about him and his uh, restoration of his image. Because it's easy for us to sit here, you know, and fans and say, oh, he doesn't belong here. Look what he did at Ole Miss. You can't believe him. Guys, he's the head coach at Auburn. Like, you, somebody believed him. Yeah. Somebody trusted him to get this job. And I think that's a big point of emphasis, guys. Yeah, and I would also emphasize he returns in the SEC where he can now pay players again. Which Isn't is that do- wild? Isn't that cr- he's doing that. I mean, the entire offense. <laughs> you left the SEC with Ole Miss where you didn't get fired for it, but you were, you know, you were getting in trouble a little bit for, for paying players. If he, if he brings in A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Laramie Tunsil, Robert Kendici now? No one's asking any questions. No, we're just asking how much. Not if, but how, how much are they making in NIL to be there, right? And you, and you, know, what else, you know what else we're saying? We're saying Ole Miss has got the best collective in the country. <laughs> exactly. At the same time. That's how much things have changed. If the, the, the paying of players, we don't bat an eye to that anymore. We don't care. Oh, that means you got a badass collective. Good for you. Now it's, you know, back then it was shame, shame, shame. Now it's congratulations. Man, things have gotten crazy since Hugh Freeze left the conference a couple years ago. Shout out to loyal YouTube viewer David, who in the YouTube chat reminds everyone as we see the storm rage on that Nashville is one of the few major cities to be hit 
by a tornado downtown, one of the few major cities. So thank you for that uh, pleasant reminder, David. And says he's watching from Fort Worth, and that's another place that's been hit by a tornado downtown. So stay safe out there, everyone for sure. Um, Kirby Smart played it safe today, Trey. I, I watched his, his media availability in the, in the big room, and it, I come away thinking, I see why that guy's such a good recruiter. He really got up there and sold everything very well and I thought did a good job, not really explaining much, but bringing the message that he wanted to bring to this SEC media days. Yeah, he, he was going to come up there and he was going to say all the right things. Uh, he was going to talk about, you know, uh, the the leadership that they have in the locker room, going to talk about Brock Bowers, going to talk about what he's got coming back on defense. And, um, you know, he, he filibustered that thing. He talked for about 14 minutes and 20 seconds, according to my watch. Um, but look, I mean, it, it, I didn't expect him to get up there and say a lot about the culture at, at Georgia, um, which, which I think is a little bit overblown, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to these traffic violations and whatnot, you know, 18 to 20-year-old kids. And he said it, too. He said 18 to 20-year-old kids, you know, you give them these vehicles, what do you do when you're 18, 20 years old? You get speeding tickets. Okay. I got three speeding tickets from the age of 17 to 21. I can relate. Now, the other incident is something different, and that's why people, you know, the tragic loss of Chandler McCoy, Devin Willa. But that's where we get into a situation where Kirby Smart's trying to push this thing forward. He's trying to move past where we are right now. And, and I, don't, I don't disagree with that in a sense of if anything else happens at Georgia – He's going to be crucified for it. So he's, he's setting himself up. He's setting himself up for the next time a player gets pulled over going 88 and a 55. Um, and, and, look, and here's another thing, too, that kind of adds it. Like, everybody's like, oh, they're not punishing the players. How do you know they're not punishing the players? Like, how, how do you know they're not working the absolute hell out of those players, running stadiums, going to local diversion programs on how to drive? and not sp- Like, you don't know. Kirby Smart's just not telling you. So half of me kind of agrees with what Kirby Smart's doing. I didn't expect him to go up there and just, you know, lay it all out there on the line. Some people tried to ask some questions, and I completely understand that, and I respect that. But Kirby's trying to move past this right now, and, and, I, and I don't blame him. We got the season coming up, but the problem I will say with guys, he's got two lawsuits now, um, and not him personally. But he's involved with the UGA Athletic Association, um, with the University of Georgia Athletic Department. A lot of these are separate. Uh, And Kirby Smart's going to be in there. So, you know, got to deal with lawsuits while this is going on. It's a tragic situation that happened. But everybody's trying to somehow put this thing back together at Georgia. And uh, unfortunately, his players just can't stop speeding. Like, that's the big thing, so. Trey, yeah. I got about a minute I didn't left here. Much today. Got about a minute left here, Trey. Yeah. Uh, Zach Garnett uh, interviewed him earlier. Strikes me as the complete opposite of Mike Leach from a personality standpoint. Mike Leach cared and was and interested way, in everything. This guy is interested in ball, yeah. and that's it. He is a football guy, that's and he's it. not going to talk about much else. Did you get the same impression? Yeah, great interview with him, by the way. Uh, it, absolutely. Zach Garnett, when he, when he was talking about it in the, in, the, in the ballroom, he said, just roll the football out there and let's play ball. Yeah, that, to me, is a football coach. Um, he, what he does is 
he can be the CEO of a program and he can hire the best guys around him to help run that program. And I think that's what you get out of Zach and Arnett. Is he a head coach? We don't know yet. But let's hope he put the right staff together to help him become that good head coach that he needs and he can lean on other people. So I, I, I thought he did a great job. And you know what? He's got one of the best darn quarterbacks in the SEC coming back in Will Rogers. So I look forward to watching what a defensive team in Mississippi State looks like. And um, he's got big shoes to fill, but but I think he'll be okay in the long run, guys. Trey Wallace, you can read his work, outkick.com. Trey, thank you, man. Let's do this again tomorrow after uh, Nick Saban makes the rounds. Oh, look forward to that one, guys. Y'all be good. Thanks so much, Trey. Stay safe out there. Trey Wallace, senior SEC, senior college football writer now for Outkick, outkick.com. Appreciate him. Yeah, Arnett, and hearing that interview that we conducted with him, and I don't mean this as a slight. The guy cares about football. That's it, right? Pretty simple, pretty straightforward about his priorities. rallied around him last year. It said a lot about uh, that staff's ability to recruit and keep them together uh, after the tragedy surrounding Mike Leach, no doubt about it. Gary Danielson, he's been on the call on CBS SEC Game of the Week for years. This will be his final season calling SEC games with CBS now moving to the Big Ten. We talked to him about that and much, much more. CBS's Gary Danielson next here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on the Outkick Network. Chad's crushed it today with the interviews from the SEC Radio Row here in Music City. Gary Danielson, polarizing. Here's Chad's chat with the CBS analyst. We're back. SEC Media Day's coverage live from the Grand Hyatt in Nashville continues on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. And we are joined now by the esteemed color analyst for CBS Sports, SEC on CBS. Soon to be a different conference on CBS, but he's here with us for one more year, and we're thrilled to have the great Gary Danielson with us. Gary, does this feel a little bittersweet for you? Does it yeah, feel like a farewell tour? It does. Yeah, I think that's a word, really. Um, you know, I, I, I entered the conference uh, in 2006. Um, you know, it was a, an important decision in my life. I was doing national championship games at ABC, but I had a sense that this conference was about to take off. I, I think I made a silly prediction that I thought the SCC would win five of the next 10 national championships and I was only off by eight in a row or something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> you so, lowballed the SEC yeah, exactly. at that point. Yeah, I was, I was a little bit behind, but it's it's been a great run. We're, we're you know, we, I knew and then I learned and of course our CBS crew knew, you know, how important SEC football is to this section of the country. It's a way of life. Um, I've experienced it. I couldn't ask for anything more. I've done, what, 17 years, 12, 15, probably 250 games. And I bet we haven't had five that didn't have national championship uh, implications. And that's what college football is all about. You know, I, I say this. 
I'm not really big on, you know, uh, ice skating or swimming or track and field. But if you put a gold medal as the consequence for that event, I can watch it. And I've been doing gold medal games here for 17 years. Well, we, we've, we've loved it. Uh, we, you know, we're, right. the SEC fans are certainly uh, going to miss your analysis. Um, what's next for you? Is it, is it Big Ten on CBS? Uh, I'm contracted to work for CBS, and hopefully yeah. I'll be doing the games. You know, I, I love doing college football. You know, um, I've been really lucky in my career. I started in 1990. This is my 34th year of doing college football. Um, I've worked with three Hall of Famers. You know, I started out with Nestler, Ron Franklin, Steve Fiziak, and then, of course, I had a long run with uh, Brad at, over at ABC, and then Brent Musburger and Vern uh, Lundquist for all those years. So, you know, three Hall of Famers with Vern and Brent and Brad and, of course, the great Ron Franklin. So I've been pretty lucky with the guys I've worked with. Well, it's amazing. You just went through that Hall of Fame list of guys yeah. you've worked with. Yeah. How quickly does chemistry develop when you're working with someone at that level? Yeah. And are they masters at creating that chemistry with whoever their broadcast partner may be? Uh, it's a collaboration. I mean, but, you know, we've, we've got a great product. You know, I mean, we're, we're there. We're not the stars of the show. You know, I've never felt that way. I mean, we're there to present a game that... These universities, these kids have worked so hard to get into the football game. It kind of just rolls. I mean, I'm working with pros. You know, I've, it's funny. When I first got started, I, I worked um, with the great Bob Goodrich, a producer who once did Monday Night Football. And he said, gee, you can say anything you want. You got 13 seconds, though, because the next play is coming up. <laughs> and then Brent kind of chimed in and said, yeah, but if it isn't interesting, I'm not going to let you talk in the next 13 seconds. Make it interesting. And basically, that's it. You know, you, you got to say something that you see. You've got to take something that looks complex and, un and explain that it's simplify it. And then you got to take something that looks really simple, uh, you know, flare plast to the right and show the complexity of the protection and the coverage read and the quarterback drop. And, you, you know, so you take simple, show the complex, you take the complex and make it simple and just keep it doing it over and over again. Speaking of simple versus complex, um, NIL in college football right. now, you know, right. Greg Sankey made that a big emphasis in his address for the conference yesterday. A lot of thoughts on it, a lot of ideas, you know, and even Greg Sankey, I think, said it's a net positive for the student athlete, but it's almost this existential threat to college sports right. and college football moving forward if it's not figured out. Where do you stand on this? I don't issue? know if there's answers for this. I really don't. I have uh, a lot of uh, confidence in my ability to understand sports, college football, but the NIL I cannot figure out because the temptation uh, when you bring money into the equation is in acquisition of talent. So now what do you do with that money? Do you reward players that you already have? Okay, so that would be keeping talent. But if you don't, I think the one thing that Urban showed when he came, you know, in 2007 or six, yeah, six, what Nick showed at Alabama and now what Kirby is showing at Georgia you got to have the talent, man. you got to go out and get those great players if you're going to win. So now if you've got a bucket of money, what do you use it for? You use it to go acquire acquisitions of talent. But that's supposed to be illegal. 
I don't know how to, to fight through this. I really don't. I don't think anybody has the answers. There's some great minds out there. There's a lot of opinions. I think uh, Commissioner Sankey's right. It is great for the athletes, but it's complicated. You know, there's salary caps in the pro football players. Do these do these players work for the universities? Uh, I can't pretend to figure it out, but I do know it's going to have a huge impact on college football. Well, acquisition of talent, a lot of that at Georgia and Alabama, right. but Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young mm -hmm. move on. What is the impact on both those programs, and is it different from one spot to the other when you look at what those guys meant? So the beauty of college football, I, I think it happens in all sports. You know, you still get the, you know, I, I was a walk-on into the NFL. You know, I, I was undrafted. Um, Kurt Warner was undrafted. So it happens at every level. But the contrast of those two guys, you know, Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young, one the you know, unanimous number one quarterback in the country and the other one that nobody wanted. And they're meeting, you know, for championships. They're producing championships. Um, you know, it, it's quite a contrast. Uh, and, and sometimes it goes down to the littlest things. I mean, you got to give Kirby a lot of credit. You know, after no, it was three years ago when Stetson Bennett threw the pick six against Alabama, the whole Georgia fan base said, we love Stetson. We give him a lot of credit. But he's not good enough to get us over the hump and beat the Alabamas and the LSU. Yeah, how Just, is he the best option? Right. He, now, they, with they, all the five they, stars around him, actually, how is this guy the best option? They, they, they actually called Kirby out. Why are you doing this? We have a generational defense. This guy can't win it. Kirby stuck with him, and he was right. Now, it came close. I don't know if you remember the Florida game. I mean, it's, they've got that defense, and it's 3 nothing with three minutes. It's Anthony Richardson's first start. That's right, And, yep. and it's three minutes to go and a half. <clears throat> Stetson throws a terrible pick. It was at the peak of JT Daniels where he's got to play him. They get a fumble on a quarterback keeper. Stetson's able to get him into the end zone, and from then it's just a roll. So it, it came very close for Stetson maybe never to play again, and look what happens. He goes back-to-back -back national championships. So sometimes it's just the littlest of things that can do it, but it's kind of the fun of sports. You had Bobby Petrino games when he was at Arkansas. Right. Now back in the conference, offensive coordinator at A&M. Jimbo Fisher didn't want to answer whether or not he's going to call plays specifically, <laughs> right. but we all believe that he will be calling plays. What do you make of that dynamic between those two men, knowing their personalities, and now they're on the same coaching staff? I think that they will, they will mesh together. I mean, look what Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin. I mean, no one would predict that that would mesh well, but it, but it did because you have the goal. You put in 100 hours to prepare the team to win the game. You work together and, and, and draw the game plan. They'll figure it out. I mean, you also got the veteran Jim Chaney coming in there right now, too, yeah. one of my favorites. First met Jimmy when he was at Purdue coaching Drew Brees, you know, so they, that's a good triumphant there to put games together and help Jimbo out. I mean, Jimbo's a great offensive mind, but sometimes the enormity of being a head coach and calling, you know, the precise plays of play calling, maybe it's too big of a job, you know. So I, I think they'll figure it out. But, I, you know, Jimbo will be there developing the game plan, and I'm sure he'll have impact. But I agree with you. I think Petrino will be calling him. You know, every big moment for Tennessee football in the last 10 years always has this way of feeling like this great awakening right. with the fan base because it's right. been so starved they to want be it. they want nationally it so relevant in the worst way possible. 
but I can't help but think being I was in the stadium, Tennessee, Alabama, this past year, right. and the way that thing ended and the way that thing went, it did feel like a great awakening. What, what was that experience like, calling that game and then seeing that scene in Neyland Stadium? Well, I mean, you know, I've done 250 of these games in the SEC, yep. and that's definitely in the top five of the games I've ever done. You know, just the experience, and you're right, the hunger by the Tennessee fan not to – I guess you could experience a little bit of Georgia, and I, I, I guess there is similarities. You know, when Florida reappeared after Spurrier had done it and now Urban's back, you could feel the fan base go, we're finally back. Yes, you could, you could feel it that – they're finally back when Nick brought them back at Alabama, when he did it at LSU. Um, it was an experience, and it felt that way. I, I, I think this about Tennessee. When I first came to the league, I was shocked at their talent. I, you know, I had been away from football, but I remember when you remember college football in the 90s, I mean, you know, it was Notre Dame. It was Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, Alabama. Nebraska. That, yeah, Nebraska. You know, Texas. You always mentioned Tennessee in the first paragraph. But then I, I kind of felt the dynamics of the recruiting, you know, as Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, and the SEC grew. I always felt that Tennessee had a tough road to hoe, you know. I mean, just just – Going south, the great athletes had to pass by two or three schools to go to Tennessee. Yep. Going north is Big Ten country. You know, it really didn't connect. But I think we're sitting in what could be. I think, I think the stock to buy in the SEC right now is Tennessee stock. This explosion of Nashville population, what's happening to the state? You know, for a long time, Tennessee coaches said, ah, we, we could only get one, two, three players, high-caliber SEC players in our own home state. You know, where Georgia, Alabama, and Florida had their LSU, had their pick of great players. But I think now it's going to, with this population growth, it's going to be six, eight guys from the state that are going to be good enough that they can corral and then go build around that base. So I think Tennessee's here to stay. I do question, I want to be honest, I do question whether the offense, which is good enough for upsets and good enough to go from five, six, seven wins to 10, 11 wins, but can this offense that's so quarterback dependent and offense dependent win all the games? Because if you notice, you know, Georgia has reproven again what Nick established, that balance complementary offense and defense with the best players is the way to go where you don't have to put all that weight every because look look what happened to Nick last year you get a, a injured shoulder to your quarterback you're out of it you know I yeah. mean so that's going to be my question what will Josh do he's going to get the, there's no doubt he's going to get there to compete but it feels it like be, an eight-nine win a season team a little, right little now. Bit, little bit more, but I, it it could be a little bit. And this is a different conference. You know, Oklahoma could always get there, but when they fought, when they had to play a team that was a little more physical than them, it they needed more help and not just well either Baker wins it or we lose. You yeah. know, and I wonder if Josh will have to tone it down a bit. It's not likely. I know what he, he believes in it 100%, and I know they do run the ball. I get it. 
but you do in my mind to win all the games, which is what you have to do in college football, they need a little bit more complementary offense to their defense. Are you on social media at all? I know I'm very aware of it, and it and. Uh, well, that's what I'm, I'm going to get into I know, no, because I, you I know, know the passion of the I SEC do, fan I base. And I embrace it, though. There is a, oh, you know, know. Gary Danielson's an Alabama fan or this is right. going on in this game. Well, it's even worse. Well, okay. so, What's the worst you've seen or heard? N- none of it's worse than the other. It, it's, it's, it's frustrating only for one reason. I'll tell you a quick little story. When I was playing with the Lions, I played quarterback in the NFL. So, I mean, with Detroit, you didn't win. You're going to catch stuff. Yep. But – you know, I mean, I caught it as a player. You know, I caught it in the Big Ten when I do Ohio State and Michigan. It's just more immediate, you know, with this stuff now. Yep. But what's frustrating is not the personal attacks. It's not. It's that I'm kind of the face of our product at CBS. We're very proud of the product that we do, the games we do, the way we've covered this conference. And for it to always be just about me, I think it's just I hate it for our team. And that's it's the only reason. Everybody likes to be liked. I, I, I get that. The reason I avoid it is I don't want to play to, to being liked. I want to call it straight. Whatever happens, happens. But for my guys, I hate after the game, they go look at the game, and they're very proud of what we did, and it's all about me. I, yeah. I hate that for our crew. Hey, we've loved talking to you appreciate over the years. Hopefully we continue it. Yep. to get you doing it. I really appreciate it. You got this. it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Gary got Danielson, it. CBS Sports, maybe CBS Sports uh, <laughs> on, on Big Ten. We don't know yet, but we'll find out. Every so often, a tweet hits you or breaking news, something <laughs> is out there, and it really makes you – do a head turn and wonder what in the world is going on and is this a real headline? This happened to me about 20 minutes ago when I looked down at Twitter on my internet machine and I saw that um, breaking news from ABC News. A home was searched in Las Vegas last night in connection to the Tupac Shakur murder from 1996. Tupac was murdered. He was 25 years old in 1996. And here we are in 2023, Hutton, and last night, Las Vegas PD served a search warrant and searched a house in connection to that murder. This blew my mind when I saw this headline. I need to know what they're looking for. I, I need to know a lot. Henderson, Nevada, to be exact. So a, I mean, a they, suburb of Las Vegas. Did this house have a ticket? Who Someone in, inside attended the Tyson fight? You know, or was this... Is there somehow? I would say it's more than that. I mean, I, I, mean, I think that it, they've got some. The fact that they're releasing this some, information, there has to be hard evidence as to what tells why me, they would go. Tells me they've got something, right? They're they're reporting this on themselves that we searched a house last night. More news to follow. And I wonder what the motives are as to why the info is getting to them now. Well, and also what um, as to why they're searching the home. What possible evidence could be left left uh, behind, or would someone hold on to? For 27 I mean, years, we're talking about now. I mean, I, DNA, I guess. I don't, I don't Possibly, know. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not. I mean, maybe it has to do with that Jeep they pulled out of the lake or whatever. Could be. The, the fisherman. Could be, could be part of that. It could be part of a magnet fishing scheme. 
where they dug up some evidence somehow. Anyway, maybe they saw the hologram inside. That was a that was a headline. Yeah, the hologram where everybody thought he was alive for a short amount of time. Um, not everyone. Not alive. Just dumb people. Yeah. No, I shouldn't say everyone. Not alive. We can confirm Tupac still dead, but there is a lead in his murder investigation Dad in Las confirm. Vegas. Something that's not dead is the Pac-12, apparently. Heather Denich of ESPN just now, another breaking news story, reporting that uh, the deal is in the near future. A league source with knowledge of the conversations told Denich and ESPN, and this deal is going to include a mix of streaming and linear options, and Hutton is expected to be on par with the ACC and the Big 12. It's exactly what they needed. Well, here's Exactly the key. what the, the Pac-12 wanted was to be in the neighborhood of those two leagues. So the key part of this story, though, is also that the presidents and chancellors of the 10 remaining universities after USC and UCLA depart for the Big Ten, they have already pre-negotiated and, and agreed to the terms on their new grant of rights that will coincide in term with the terms of this new media agreement and partnership, both through streaming and on... A linear television. That's key here because they've already got they've gone behind closed doors and said, okay, here's what we'll do. Here's how we're going to split the revenue. And while details aren't emerging of if it's a split the way Clemson and Florida State want to split, of if Oregon and Washington want something, that's the significant part as to why this deal would be done, Chad, because the TV network or the streaming service that is going to put them, according to this, on par with what, 31 million? is what the Big 12 is getting annually. Yep. The ACC is just above that. Um, if you're going to reach that plateau, that threshold, you have to guarantee that you're, the schools that you're signing up are going to be there, and they're not going to bolt for the Big 12, hello Colorado, or the Big 10, if in fact expansion continues in that direction. That, that, that is crucial to this deal getting done, and that's a key factor in this report. Yeah, so... Possible big news to come very soon, according to Heather Denich and ESPN, in regards to Pac-12 and a media deal. Ronaldo took the money and ran. He ran all the way to Saudi Arabia to their pro league, and this is under the category of flying the flag that pays you. He claims that the Saudi pro league is better than MLS. Now, I went to our resident soccer expert in this studio, Colin Warner, because I, I honestly... Don't really know and don't really care. But I asked him, and he said, this is complete BS. MLS is better than the Saudi League. <laughs> I know a little bit about the MLS. I can honestly say I know nothing about the Saudi League and how good it is. So uh, I take Colin Warner's word for this. It is gospel in the world of soccer to me. So I I'll take that and say, yeah, he's lying because he's getting paid a ton of money to play in the Saudi League. So, of course, he's going to talk it up. And act like it's better. Messi's also getting paid. Uh, yep. But he didn't take the Saudi money. And right now, I'd say they're tied. Yeah, well, and Messi gets the ownership but piece the, the, of it the also. the star power in of Miami. both leagues are these two guys now. Where in Major League Soccer, what was the report of how, how much people are paying just to get in to watch his first match? Oh, it's it's incredible. But also the ownership cheapest ticket bar, is like three hundred fifty bucks. You know, David cheapest. David Beckham worked this out also uh, when he came over to MLS. Now it's incredible. The key for MLS would be, and it, it may may not be able to happen, but not getting these guys at the end of their career, getting them in the middle of their career. 
to want to come to America and play MLS uh, as opposed to English Premier League or whatever elite international yeah. European league they're a part of. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I would go and see Messi play. I'm not, I mean, for a Major League Soccer game, I'm not spending that type of money. No, not yeah. at all. People it, are spending it, money to it, go. It, but the Saudis will spend money on anything. Of course. People spending money to go see the new Mission Impossible movie. Um, sets a franchise record over a five-day weekend globally. Now, the domestic box office take $80 million. That's a lot. $20 million more than Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny, but is still seen as a bit of a disappointment for projections of what this Mission Impossible movie was going to do, showing once again that box office and people going to see the movies, it's a problem in the U.S., but this is still a big success. And the Mission Impossible franchise is a global franchise. What number is this? This movie will do more than a billion dollars. The seventh it's one? It's $235 million after one weekend. This is Mission Impossible 7, and it's part one of seven. So the next one is Dead Reckoning Part 2, which they had to shut down filming because of the actor strike. They were almost done with filming and okay. shut it down when the actor strike started. So I'll have to you know this resume can... filming after that. Chad is our... Our film aficionado. Yep. Why not just call it eight? Why does it have to be a part two? Why, well, why are not, there why are there it, it shows why are there shows that have a break in a season after ten episodes to bring it back for the conclusion instead of just calling it the next season? Yeah, that's stupid. Now, the, two different things. So, to answer your second question, that's moronic. All right, they, people do that in the break because they can't. Get their bleep together. Yes, we're talking about Yellowstone because Kevin Costner, they can't come up with a schedule for him, so they keep having to break things up. I hate a mid-season break for a television show. I think it just should just run consecutively. You know who does not do mid-season breaks? HBO. HBO's the one that when they start a show, they're going to go consecutive weeks until it's over. Every single time. They're not going to take many breaks. It's going to go right too. through it. Huh? <laughs> they could end it early, too. Who knows? Yeah, but you yeah, know, you're right. You never know. Um but Mission Impossible, this was always going to be two, two-and-a-half-hour movies. It's one consecutive story. So it is seven and eight. Like, the next one will be Mission Impossible 8 if you're going in sequence. But it's part two. It's part two of this Dead Reckoning storyline. <laughs> so yeah. it's going to be, okay, so they're not going to reference the eight. Yeah, like, it's the other ones, <laughs> there are tie-ins to previous movies, but um, similar to the, the Bond, there was a... a they basically came out in, in three different movies that told one story. They all had different names. Yeah. But, but you can start a Mission Impossible movie anywhere and have no tie into a previous movie if right. you want, and it's still going to be enjoyable. Tom Cruise could make 40 of these Mission Impossible movies. I would see all of them in theater. That's how entertaining they are. Um, Cruise, the highest paid actor right now on the planet for 2022-23. And uh, DiCaprio is right behind him. Brad Pitt is still up there. Will Smith is in the top five currently for the last two years. That's, um, that's a number that's destined to go down. Well, just combine The Rock, who at one point was the number one highest paid actor, uh, is now fifth overall. Well, that could change because The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, just earned the largest upfront payday in Hollywood history. $50 million up front is the report The Rock is being paid for a Christmas release of something called Red One uh, with Amazon. Uh, the, the plot is apparently secret, and we don't have many details on the plot, but I like The Rock. 
I'm hard pressed to believe that Dwayne the Rock Johnson is worthy of fifty million dollars up front for any movie. But they've done the calculus on this at the good folks at Amazon, and they've discovered that hey, it's worth it to us. Well, but the so fifty million. Are they buying in up front? You get fifty million, but you're going to be a part of an Amazon franchise now. Is that what they're trying to create with them? I mean, I don't. I think it's just for the one movie. I think it's a fifty million dollar upfront to just do this movie. That's going to wow. come out around Christmas time. And the the uh, I mean, God bless his agent that that negotiated the whole premise this deal. Is secret. Red One is the name of the movie. But details of the plot I mean, have not been released. But there is, isn't there only a handful of categories we could see The Rock acting for? Like, well, I'm, how secret can it be? Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it's not a rom-com. I mean, yeah, it it's probably going to be some form of, it could be, but I'm guessing <laughs> some form of action, even if it's kids, kitty action. I, I don't mean, I don't know what, probably shouldn't use those two words together. It's fine. Um, I know I, what you meant. I don't know, uh, I, I, what could he possibly be doing in this movie that's worthy of 50 million dollars that will be a return on investment at some point these numbers it's just him being in it though these monopoly money numbers that are just thrown out there like i there you just have to be willing to lose a lot of money at some point or another yeah i mean but you're, and is this going to be on prime brand. video or is it going to be a theatrical release i would think it's going to have to be a theatrical uh, release i would think you want both right as part of amazon funding it. that's what they're doing with the new dicaprio scorsese uh movie so if you go Kills to the flower moon is going to be on apple it's gonna be in theaters and apple at, yeah so there's an early release for apple subscribers if you um go watch mission impossible i know that you will see the latest killer killers the flower moon trailer that plays before mission impossible in all theaters different than youtube this may be the reason that uh, hutton goes i don't know I, I don't i haven't checked to see the latest trailer oh, i saw the initial teaser trailer okay but not the latest one um fun show today Got to talk so, to a lot of people down at SEC Media Days. I, I realize that Gary Danielson is very polarizing. I'm, I'm going to miss the SEC on CBS. I'm going to miss that theme song with the SEC. Yeah, but it's, it's more than – it is the – there is a familiarity with the game. It's like the old school Monday Night Football. Al Michaels on Monday Night Football with John Madden, right? Yep. Uh, John Madden didn't give you much analysis, catchphrases, and you weren't – I mean, weren't learning all that much. Uh, Gruden, highly entertaining. And then the, the guys that try to get very analytical aren't on the Monday Night Football for very long. And then the guys that try to be, you know, comedians like Dennis Miller, not there very long. I miss just the tried and true method of showing up, calling a game, and having fans hate you for it. Yeah. I wonder, it, what, I wonder what Danielson's, like, least favorite fan base would be. The, the fan base that pisses him off the most, the one he hates the most, because there are a lot of fan bases who hate him. Yeah, that, that's a great one. Typically, the fan bases that hate a broadcaster are the ones who have teams that are struggling. There, there's or, a correlation there. When your team or, is bad... Or, or your team's so good it doesn't receive criticism, and he criticizes a play. Yeah, I, I don't hear Alabama fans, since Saban's been there, dissing a lot of broadcasters. Why? Because they're normally winning. So they don't hate any broadcasters. Well, it's usually when your team is bad or struggling or really struggling to beat anyone good. But where it comes that's in, that's when suddenly, oh, this broadcaster hates my team. It's where Daniel. It's here's where they end up hating him when they lose on the last second field goal and the lap, they lose twice on the last play of the game. And Danielson makes the case for a different team other than Bama. Yeah, that's where the Bama fan base comes back and tries to get after him. 
But I, I'm with you. I, I like the familiarity. I liked it with Vern Lundquist and him. Loved it. I like it with Brad Loved Nessler it. and him. And that is a loss for the SEC. L- losing that group. Um, I mean, you know, if, if you're accustomed to certain things on your Saturday afternoon and one of them is the most watched game every week, which is the CBS SEC game of the week, then you're losing out. We with will those still guys. see great football on a number of networks moving forward with the Big Ten and SEC. No doubt about it. Sankey's on tomorrow. Plenty of things to talk about with Greg Sankey tomorrow. We can get into TV deals and maybe talk a little bit more about this Pac-12 deal that was just recently uh, the news was broken with Heather Denich. It's going to be fun either way. We're back at it tomorrow. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow.